my goodness. And everybody wishes they were here so they'd know what we've been laughing at. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so you guys, you guys, those of you who missed it a couple weeks ago, all of the um, sex laws, we're going to go over them again with the Oh, that's right. Let's talk about you and who you're not supposed to be with. Yes. I think about he wasn't here the first time, so we yeah, need to Chris, repeat. Yeah, Chris, you, you missed it. Now, I'm, we're gonna, I'm gonna say what I, I was, know what you say. I say what? What did Obama do it next? I didn't hear about this. <laughs> <laughs> but I okay. That no, we're no, we're good. Um, how funny? No, we're because when we were going through it, we kind of came to the realization that ninety percent of it is, duh. Yeah. <laughs> but what we might think is 10% that we have to go, oh, I'm glad he said that. Other cultures might think that's the duh part and need to hear. Or Chris. Yeah, or Chris. <laughs> you know, Chris, you might need to pay attention. That's right. That's right. Well, I, I think that that's, I think it's funny because God repeats because we need to hear it more than once. Um, one of the things that I really truly. I don't even want to know. <laughs> One of the things I really, truly believe is if it is an instruction from God about what we are supposed to understand or what we are supposed to do, it is given to us more than once in Scripture. Which means if somebody has pulled out a verse from the nether regions of some prophetic passage and wants to tell you it means whatever, some new idea, you should be looking for other, you know, file it away. Okay, maybe. There, and there might be other teachings you haven't uncovered that you'll go, oh, that fits with that, that fits with that. But if it's, if it's really bizarre and contradicts anything else, because when it, even when it comes to the law part of Torah, it's there two to three times. And since God himself said you will not be brought to charges without the witness of two or more witnesses, without the testimony of two or more witnesses, he is, he is consistent with that. He tells us in a couple of different places these things. So, so things that, you know, well, where do you get that? This one verse. Huh. <laughs> okay, good for you. I'm not going to go running out and acting on that right away. Um, so, you know, it, it is in there more than once. We've got four Gospels, for goodness sake. Yes, that's true. You know, there's, there's four testimonies of that. Mm -hmm. So Leviticus 20. Mm -hmm. and oh, this is I'm a on the wrong one. You should see my tech guy. <laughs> yes, she's correct. <laughs> that's right. That's right. He's, he's invaluable. <laughs> Irreplaceable. That's what you want to see? From when yeah, I downloaded it okay. two hours ago that to now. Yes. Well, when I downloaded it, it was fine. An hour ago. Yeah, you downloaded it just before we left. I downloaded uh -oh. it while we were eating. He breakfast. was he was ahead uh -oh, of the game. Yeah, we... Uh oh. Again, more accidents. This child. Maybe I'm not giving her enough attention and she's crying out for. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> she gets seven hours now. I know. Yeah. From my, from my yes. okay. Her son. <laughs> oh, it was a clunky. Yeah, I know. So, seriously, more injuries? Really? So, we'll, we need to pray over her before we go. So, verse one. No, no, no. no. They were both, they were swinging, both swinging and it just happened to bonk. It wasn't bonk. anything he intentionally did. No. 
So verse 1. Let's, we should probably get started. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's one of those days. <laughs> the Lord spoke to Moses saying, All right. Say to the people of Israel, any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who gives any of his children to Molech, shall surely be put to death. The giving Molech was one of the the idols, one of the idols that they would say. Yeah, the idea of giving it wasn't just like here's my child. It was let me put my child in the fire as a gift to Molech. So you murder your baby brutally, we kill you. Yes, even if it's in you know, especially or even if it's in worship of a pagan god. I don't know. Have you yeah. seen in India where they have the well, roof flinging? They fling. They throw the baby off the roof and they catch it. No. Well, that. Uh, yeah. Well, one of the, one of the things to keep in mind with this particular instruction is Solomon at the end of his life was participating in this. Solomon was. Solomon was wow. with his pagan wives. He had pagan pagan wives and concubines, and and there it tells us that at the end of his life he was engaging in this practice with them. Oh. This is one of the reasons why God told them don't take pagan wives. Right. Well, right. You'll be you. Generally, you know he, what he was warning them is you'll be drawn towards whatever religion they're faithfully because Solomon, practicing. You're the head. That's she a, turns the neck. <laughs> She's directing you. Okay. We all saw that, right? That's Not right. That great That's right. Yep. It's a babopsy. Uh, <laughs> so, the people of the land shall stone him with stones. This wow. is something, Leviticus 20, verse 1. 2, verse 2. Um, we're almost to 3. Okay. We're working our way there. Um, so this is something that the people, the people are supposed to, you know, if you see somebody putting their child in the fire, you are supposed to act. He says, I myself will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people because he has given one of his children to Molech to make my sanctuary unclean and to profane my holy name. So you're out. Yeah. Don't you dare give one of your children to Molech. Children are precious. And if the people of the land do at all close their eyes to that man when he gives one of his children to Molech and do not put him to death, then I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut them off from among their people, him and all who follow him in whoring after Molech. Wow. I I thought it was just a barbecue, and then I started throwing kids in, and I didn't know what to do. I I looked for rocks, but I couldn't find them. But this this is good. This this would be though. The people who didn't know would not be cut off. But the idea when you're all living in tents. In an yeah. area where you're, I mean, shoot, when we were all in the yurts, we knew what everybody was doing. <laughs> For That's goodness sake, so... you can't, you can't yeah. fake and say, no, but I was on the other side of that tent. Because if the people in that tent were talking about it, you were going to hear it. And if everybody knows it's going on, what he's saying is, when you learn about it, you should stand up and say something. Right. You should not be all, well, I wasn't there, you know, or... 
I don't know. I didn't see it myself. Oh, it's not my this is this is something. The kid's not around anymore. There was a baby crying in that tent over there, and they've disappeared. You know, it's it's one of those things. You no, know, you can't pretend like you don't know when you're there. It's 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 a lot harder now. Though still, I say, if your neighbor had a child and that child hasn't been there for a while, you should maybe ask. What happens to your baby? Yeah, where's your baby? I mean, it might, it might be, it might be nothing big. It might be something serious. It might be something that they need support for. Maybe their baby died, and they need you to love on them and and help them. Or maybe you need to call CPS. You know, who knows? But you ask. You say something. I think that can apply to many things in life. Oh, absolutely. Right now, pretty much, our culture goes: if it's not happening to me, it's none of my business. Right. Or I'm not the parent. Not my problem. Right. And, and no, we, it is your problem, because if you know about it and do nothing, then you're accountable. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking of all the things in the news lately where oh, people yeah. were there, and they saw it, and they asked, but no, they said no, and they just walked away and never but, called oh, the cops okay. and never did anything, and it just happens all the time. It right, it does. If a person, tech guy, he needs help. <laughs> <laughs> if a person turns to mediums and necromancers, oh, whoring no. after them. What's a necromancer? A necromancer is someone who consults with the dead. Okay, that's not what I thought it was. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. That is also bad, <laughs> but that is not what a necromancer is. Okay. Um, and, and, it's, and he talks about them whoring after them because you are supposed to be devoted to the Lord. So if you're taking your worship, mm -hmm. it, it's, you know, this is, I, I love how J, it's been cleaned up in, in the book of James where it's, you know, you're a double-minded man. No, it's a double-souled man. You, you are trying to live in two different realities. And he says, no, you are whoring after them. I will set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Or as Yeshua said, those who love me keep my commands. For anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood is upon him. Um, and I like this. Con the conjunction of four in there implies that the verse gives a reason for an earlier commandment. It refers back to the commandment to revere parents in 19.3 and explains that one who shows gross disrespect to parents can incur the death penalty. Alternatively, the word should be translated therefore, meaning that because it is God who sanctifies us, and a person's father and mother are his partners in bringing a person into the world, God decrees the death penalty, beyond, penalty upon those who curse them. And it is possible to set really healthy boundaries with parents. It is possible to not be in communication with parents who aren't safe and not violate this. This is, this is a confrontational, aggressive cursing of your parents. Um, and the idea being that, that there is something broken there when that happens. So verse 10, if a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. If a man lies with his father's wife, 
He has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. That's like I said, 99% of this you're going to go. His father's wife is not always his mama. Right. right. Yes, yeah, it oh, is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I'm just saying. Um, a, lot of these, a lot of these are actually more commonly issues. I don't want to say commonly issues, but more commonly issues in our very divorce-friendly culture where lots of people are being raised by people who aren't their blood relatives, with people who aren't their blood relatives, because as we keep going, you'll see that there's other things that are not okay. Um, if a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have committed perversion. Their blood is upon them. If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Yep. If a man takes a woman and her mother also, it is a depravity. And they shall be burned with fire. Wow. That there may be no depravity among you. If a man We're lies good. with an it's animal, he shall surely be put to death. And you shall kill the animal. <laughs> Put the poor thing out of its misery. Yes. Yes, it's actually if you see like later on when there there's one of the, the things that happen that bring curses upon the Israelites when they're wandering around um, after not going into the land, is that one of the pagan nations sends a bunch of women in to seduce the men. And one of the men who is revered from this experience sees a man going into his tent with one of the women. And he, and, and all of the Sanhedrin, all the judges, everybody sees this happen. And out of the whole community of Israel, one man stands up, busts into the tent, kills them both. And he is the one that is revered. Wow. So you are supposed to not none of my business. I might say something later. You are supposed to act now. What if do you, mean you now? You, uh, ah! you know, I don't know. You stop it. You know, <laughs> I mean. That's the one who's killing No, obviously we are not. First of all, we're not in the land. Second right. of all, we don't have the authority to go into other people's homes and do this in this society. Right. But this would be where within the community of God. If you see, that, you know, this is when you get into, like, church discipline issues. You know, a lot of times the church discipline that goes on is really creepy and has nothing to do with anything that's actually sin. Right. You know, um, it, it is not a sin for a woman to leave an abusive man. It is not a sin for a man to disagree with the pastor. It is not, you know, the, these are not sin issues, but these are the kinds of things that a lot of churches, you know, we're bringing you up on church discipline. Right. No, but... It is a sin for somebody to be having an affair with a choir director. It is a sin for, you know, the pastor to be abusing young women in counseling. It is a sin. These are the kinds of things that somebody is supposed to go to them and confront them. And if they repent, then you keep it to yourself. If they don't repent, you go with other people who know about what's going on and you confront them again. And if they don't repent, you take it to the leadership and if they don't repent, you take it to the community. And if they don't repent, the community, in an act of, of cutting them off from their people, kicks them out and says, if you're a pagan, go be with the pagans because you're not acting like a believer. So, so that's kind of how that is supposed, you know, Yeshua and Paul both talk about that, how that's supposed to play out 
in communities where, um, and one of the things to keep in mind is in Rome, they, the Jews were not allowed to exercise the death penalty. So I would say that those teachings are the adaptation of how to handle this kind of thing. Um, but if you're there and you can stop it, I mean, if you're out drinking with a friend and he's hooking up with some woman at the bar and you know he's married, you, dude, grab him, take him home, you know? <laughs> dude, Seriously? knock it off. Nuh-uh, what are you doing? You know, the, the ever-popular... Hey, I don't 20, think his wife would appreciate this. Yeah, the ever-popular, you have 24 hours to tell your wife what's going on, or I'm going to, you know, the... the not hiding, not keeping these things secret, not not participating in them by covering them up. So, what? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. To which I think trivializes his death so much. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for dying so I can eat pork. It's right. like, uh, like you no. Yeah. It also says you're to obey the laws of the land. Right. 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 And so that's where I would say, you know, there's a different, there's a big gap of possibilities between killing them, which is against the law in our society, right. and we're not in the land. Because right. a lot of these things are when you are in the land, this is how you will handle this sin. Gotcha. Okay? Doesn't mean it's not a sin elsewhere. It's just only the court in Israel has the authority to, you know, to say this is a death penalty, blah, blah, blah. It would be kind of like... Um, the penal it would kind of like saying the penalty for first degree murder in some states is death by whatever. That doesn't mean that you get to walk in and see somebody committing murder and kill them and go, well, I was enacting the penalty in our state, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so so there is there is an element of the community knows this is happening and the community is supposed to handle it. And, and that's why the example that I gave of the guy, you know, going into the tent and killing him, the whole, it says in the, in the story, the court watched it happen and did not act. And the person who did it was a member of the court. So, so there is, there is, you know, and, and as they get going, there are things that are put in place for, uh, there, there is a family, oh, I can't think of the name, the kinsman redeemer. So, like, if you accidentally kill you know, somebody in my family, my family's kinsman redeemer has the right to kill you. Mm -hmm. Now, the way that that's supposed to play out is you flee to one of the the uh, the safe the safe areas, the safe towns. You are guaranteed safe passage back for your trial. The court determines what will happen to you. If you are to be put to death, the kinsman redeemer gets to do it. If you are not to be put to death, you have to go back and live in that safe town until the kinsman redeemer dies. Because that kinsman redeemer is the one who's in, seeking justice for that family. 
So we're going to protect you from them because you don't actually deserve to die. But you still, there are still consequences for accidental death, okay? So as we get going, things will kind of play out more. But this is very definitely... Do what? <laughs> yeah. I wanted to say, too, sometimes a different approach, uh, going back to the food thing. Because, mm -hmm. like, some people, if you say, well, I don't eat pork because the hoof is not split and it doesn't chew the cod, and they, like, she's crazy. Yeah. I can't, relate. I can't relate. But, okay, can you relate to this, that pig carry a natural virus that's very not good for yeah. the body, or that they... Um, What's another thing they do? Yeah. Toxins. Yeah. Yeah. All kind of, yeah. And, and, and that's... It's just unhealthy. That's, yeah, that's secular right there. So you can find secular reasons why, too. You know? Yeah, what about... <laughs> <laughs> no more what pickled about, pig's you know, hooks for me. I want to remember the worms. Yeah. So you can the get worms from them, and yes. they can go in your brain... Well, one of one of the things, one of the things that yes, and one of the things I was talking, um, my friend, my friend Rebecca is, is she's so wonderful. She and you know she and her husband were both raised in kind of crazy extreme Christian groups, and and they've they've uh, been in at you know kind of in, incorporating Torah living into their life and. Giving so you know they came. She came from uh, Louisiana, and oh, so giving up, giving up some of the crawfish and some of that and the pork, it was really hard for her. But she, she was, you know, she's been really sick, and so she gave Louisiana. that up. And she was telling me how she's feeling so much better. And she was telling me that she and her husband were talking about about this whole issue of, of well enacting those laws and people saying oh the old laws or whatever. And she said, you know, the things that we were subjected to growing up the laws that we were expected to follow mm -hmm. were crazy. But we were expected to do them. She goes, we haven't incorporated, she goes, we haven't encountered anything in God's law that's nearly as crazy as the stuff that we were subjected to when we were growing up. She goes, nothing in there talks about measuring my skirt length. Nothing in there talks about, you know, who I can talk to. And, who, and she says, don't wear makeup. Yeah, no yeah. Pants. Can't cut my no hair. There's nothing no in there that rings. says that. Yeah, no wedding rings. So they're the group that they were from started giving more and more elaborate watches as gifts, you know, jewel-encrusted watches. But you couldn't wear jewelry. But a watch is practical. Now, why was the, was the answer for jewelry? Uh, just, look, yeah, because like it talks people? about adorning yourself okay. with, you know. So, so she's like, you know, the thing she was telling me is, there are some things that she encounters in God's law that she goes, I don't understand that. But she trusts God a lot more than she trusts the people that were teaching her growing up. So she's like, okay. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, you know, I've done crazier things, and this is actually from God, so I'm going to do it. And she's like, nothing, has, nothing he's asked us to do has harmed us. Nothing yeah. he's asked us to do has been bad for us. You know, I may not understand it, but... Whatever, you know, and so, and then there are the other end of the thing where you go man line with an animal, put them both to death. Okay. Yeah, probably in pain. Probably. It's probably. 
Yeah. Well, it's like, <laughs> it is very sad. Like when my dog got in a wow. fight, so we neutered him. Yeah. So. <laughs> you lost, sorry. But if a woman. <laughs> so, unless you think that only men are forbidden from animals, if a woman approaches any animal and lies with it, you shall kill the woman and the animal. They shall surely be put to death, their blood is upon them. If a man takes his sister, a daughter of his father or a daughter of his mother, and sees her nakedness and she sees his nakedness, it is a disgrace and they shall be cut off in the sight of the children of their people. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness and he shall bear his iniquity. Now, this is not, if you have little children and, and they play, show me mine, I'll show you yours, and, and they happen to be, this is not saying that, this is talking about Grown people, yeah, grown people coming together for a sexual encounter, mm-hmm. okay? Whether it's completed or not, if that's, if that's what the purpose of what's going on, that's the problem. Um, if a man lies with a woman during her menstrual period and uncovers her nakedness, he has made naked her fountain and she has uncovered the fountain of her blood. Both of you shall be cut off from among their people. My fountain. <laughs> so... That it's would be a no-go. Hard, huh? Like the two people would have to confess that. Who would know? Well, if all the women are going to the red tent she and up? she doesn't show up, oh, I forgot about the red. You might be able to figure that out. You know, I mean, how are they going to know? Back then, they didn't exactly have tampons and stuff. You right. knew. Be a day or so. Yeah, if she sneaks out and comes back. Um, it doesn't really say that in here. Yeah, it didn't say it's an abomination. They didn't need it just says you're cut off from here. your people. So maybe it's a time that, you know. And, and, you know, it's. Sometimes it was spiritual. Yeah, and, and so there's the spiritual cutting off there. And I think that, I think, and I'd have to go back and look, that when we encountered this before, it did talk about the spiritual implication of it. There was the uncleanliness of encountering the flow of blood. But this takes it to the next level of saying, if you're actually having sex during that time, there, there's a spiritual penalty. So you shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister or of your father's sister, for that is to make naked one's relatives, they shall bear their iniquity. If a man lies with his uncle's wife, he has uncovered his uncle's, uncle's nakedness, they shall bear their sin, they shall die childless. Wow. If a man takes his brother's wife, it is impurity. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness, they shall be childless. You shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my rules and do them, that the land where I am bringing you to live may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the customs of the nations that I am driving out before you, for they did all these things, and therefore I detested them. So one of the things, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we went through these lists, is that these are actions that God expects from the pagan nations, not from his children. So, you know, one of the things that they, that they um, the commentary went into uh, on the other chapter, I think 18, was this is why Egypt wasn't destroyed for doing these things. But the nations within the land were being kicked out and the Israelites were being brought in. The land was crying, you know, God's land, the area of the world that specifically is set apart for God's kingdom, was saying, whoa, this stuff's happening on us. Those nations got kicked out. 
They were vomited out of the land. And God's warning his people, okay, I know you got exposed to these things in Egypt. It's what they were doing in Egypt. As I'm driving the people out ahead of you in Canaan, you're going to find, you're, you're going to encounter these things. I'm telling you now, these things not okay. You do not engage in them. So this is where you get you know, we, the foundations for in the world and not of it. It's one thing to say, well, I don't expect certain behavior from the average American because we're not the land. It's a pagan nation. They're going to do pagan things. And it's another thing to say, within the church, yeah, whatever. Now, that doesn't mean that you go around, you know, condemning people because we all come into the body with our issues that God has to work out with us. Right. So there is, a, there is a point where it's one thing to say, this is what God word, God's word says, let's talk about that. And there's another thing to everybody be going around pointing out everybody else's sins. Okay, and, and, and you want to like stay on the holy line of that. <laughs> you know? There are lots of things that people do that I, you know, they claim to be Christians and they're going around doing things. And it's one thing to lovingly point out to them, did you know that God's word says this? And it's another thing to attack them. And most churches don't seem to find that balance. They either embrace and accept or they attack and condemn and kick you out. And, and frankly, you know, I just kind of figure God's working with you on whatever sin he's working on, and he'll get to that sin when you're ready for it and you're growing. For me, I'm not going to compromise God's word. I'm not going to say, well, he didn't really mean that. But that's a far cry from, you know, beating on somebody and, and condemning them. So I have enough energy focused on the log in my eye that I have to keep, <laughs> keep you know, pecking away at. So <laughs> that's where our focus should be. So you shall therefore, uh, okay, and you shall not walk, verse 23, and you shall not walk in the customs of the nations that I am driving out before you, for they did all these things, and therefore I detested them. But I have said to you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore separate the clean beast from the unclean and the unclean bird from the clean. You shall not make yourselves detestable by beast or by bird or by anything with which the ground crawls, which I have set apart for you to hold unclean. Okay, yes. I've separated you from the peoples. Meaning the nations. Right. You yes. want to take old church thinking. God created everything. He did, but they are living apart from him. That's where it's like, well, God may have created everything, but you also have the choice of free will. Yes, yes. Which is why, yes, which is why any... Well, which is, and, and also any of those people had the option, have always had the option of leaving their nation and attaching to Israel. So it's free will. For yes, that's where free will comes in. Um, so the idea, you know, you, you are, the idea of election is that you're set apart for God's purpose. So if you're born into the, into the God's people, it's expected that you're going to continue in that, but you have the choice to leave. And no matter who you're born into, what nation, you have the choice to become, you know, to become elect by attaching to those who have this particular purpose. 
Um, so you, verse 26, you, did, that, did that address? I don't know. You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. A man or a woman who is a medium or a necromancer shall surely be put to death. Okay, so previously, if you go consulting them, you get put to death. But if, you, if they're there and you're letting them continue with their practice among you, you're in, you have a problem. Right. They shall be stoned with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. So, and that's how he ends that. <laughs> so, oh, by the way, the ones doing it also. No, if you seek them out, um, then you tell them, shut up. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> you know, that's right. So going into Revelation 7. Um, there is, we're going to see a big significance of the number four. So I'm going to read, I'm going to read a couple of big quotes to you from some things that talk about what's in this chapter. Um, but he, it starts out with, after this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth. Okay. Obviously something going on with four. The number four is associated with that which upholds the heavenlies as well as connects it to the earth. Um, the four corners of the altars, you know, it talks specifically how there were, there were decorations and, and specific things on the four corners of the altar. Um, they, they represent the four corners of the earth. And the heavenly firmament is, is shown to be upheld by the four holy creatures, these high oaths. Um, the ones that are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Um, so the section, I want to read this section to you from the Zohar. Um, it's, fr it's from Bereshit, section 1, page 71b, for those who want to, are interested. Um, and I want you to listen to, to the, what is taught here. This is, you know, again, an ancient, extra-biblical text, but it's going to sound incredibly like what we've been reading and what we're going to be reading in Revelation. Um, and it's talking about, this is, this is a commentary on God telling Noah about the covenant being marked by the rainbow. Okay? So God said to Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you. I have set my rainbow in the cloud. The past tense I have set shows that the bow had already been there. In connection with this passage... Uh, Reb Simeon discoursed on the verse, and above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone, from Ezekiel 126. Before this verse, he said, we find the words, and when they went, I heard the noise of their wings like the noise of great waters, like the voice of the Almighty. That's in verse 24 of Ezekiel 1. These are the four sacred and mighty beings called hayot, which means animals by whom the firmament is upheld and whose wings are usually joined together to cover their bodies. When, however, they spread out their wings, a volume of sound swells forth and they break out into songs of praise as the voice of the Almighty, which never becomes silent as it is written so that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. Psalm 30, 13. The tenor of their praise is this. The Lord has made known his salvation, his righteousness has he revealed in the sight of the nations. And that psalm, I don't do good enough at 
Roman numerals, but I think it's uh, maybe 63? Um, two. It says further, a noise of tumult like the noise of a host, Ezekiel 124. For example, like the sound of the holy camps when all the supernal armies assemble on high. What is it they declaim? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole world is full of his glory. From Isaiah 6, 3. So, so they're talk, he's talking about, you know, what is this bow that's there? Well, there's, the, there's these four creatures, and they are at the corners of the earth, and they are holding the firmament back from the earth. And, um, and obviously the earth is round, and it doesn't actually have corners. And, and this is one of the, the misunderstanding these passages is one of the things that people in times past have said, oh, the earth is flat and, and square. And, and No. But at the north, you know, and as we've been talking, there's the physical realm, but then there's the spiritual, and there's the different levels. So at the level where the firmament is, and the heavens are being held up is in the spiritual realm, these creatures that are holding things back. They're the ones with all the wings. The what? Well, they're, they're different from angels. Um, they're different from angels. They're the, the ones with the four faces. Um, or they're, some would say, a, a type of angel. So they, they turn to the south and say holy. They turn to the north and say holy. They turn to the east and say holy. They turn to the west and say blessed. And that firmament rests upon their heads. And in whatever direction it turns, their faces turn also. They turn their faces to the four cardinal points. So they turn their faces to the, to the four directions, and they revolve in a circle. The firmament is imprinted at the four corners of a square with four figures, the lion, the eagle, the ox, and the man. And the face of a man is traced in all of them, so that the face of a lion is also of a man, and the face of an eagle is of a man, and the face of an ox is a man, all being comprehended in him. That's why it's written in Ezekiel 1.10, as for the likeness of their faces, they had the face of a man. Further, the firmament with its enclosed square contains the gamut of all the colors. This is how we're wrapping it back to Noah and the rainbow. So the firmament um, has the gamut of the colors. Outstanding are four colors, and we encountered these last week and, and the weeks before, each engraved with four translucent signs, both higher and lower. These, when decomposed, become 12. They are green, red, white, and sapphire, which is made up of all these colors. That's why it's written as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. That is to say, all shades of all colors. So in other words, the rainbow is spiritual breaking, the spiritual colors and the colors that fracture out of them breaking through into the physical world. So the rainbow existed, but we get to see it. The rainbow is the appearance of, of basically the representation of God's holiness breaking into our world as a sign that says God's not going to destroy the world with water again. Okay. But this, this imagery of the creatures holding up the heavenlies, them saying, turning to the four corners, holy, holy, holy. Okay, This is the kind of thing that, that the reader of Revelation in John's time would they would have had some kind of understanding of this and gone, oh, he's referencing these creatures. He's, he, you know, we, we know they're holding up the firmament. Um, how about we'll let you know? We'll let you know. Okay. Take that out and pay attention. Take that out. And pay. Okay. 
Um, so, so that is going on. And uh, another important thing about the, the number four has to do with Judah, the fourth son of Leah. And through him comes the Messiah, and his name is linked to yod heh vav -Heh because it is the name yod heh vav -Heh with a, the Dalet added, which has the number of four as its value, and it, it basically means listen to God. Mm. So um, Judah alone is the mainstay of the heavenly throne, is true its support for this very reason. We call him, he, his name is actually yod heh vav dalet -Heh. Okay. And with the word basically contains the divine name, which with the addition of the letter uh, of, of the Dalet. Um, and we also, the number four is found, it has to do with divine retribution. We've talked about the four horsemen. Um, so, so the, you know, the number four is very, very, very important. And here we see the four angels. Who are these four angels? You know, the type of angel, the high oats. They're standing at the four corners of the earth. This is these creatures with the different faces. They're standing at the four corners of the earth, holding up the firmament, and now holding back the winds of the earth at the same time. And one of the, the things about the, the wind is, um, another word for wind is the ruach. So it may be that they're holding back the spirit for some purpose, okay? Um, just as one idea. That no wind might blow on the earth or sea or against any tree, which, huh? Because you'd think trees would be part of the earth. And it just seems like a weird thing to single out. You know, it's not giant mountains, it's and the trees. Except that um, the trees are used in scripture to represent anything that provides physical sustenance to a man or the animal kingdom. It also references, when you go to the next level of understanding, man. Um, men as trees you find in Psalm 1, 3, Ezekiel 17, 14, Matthew 7, 16 through 20, um, and Revelation 9, 3 through 4. And on an even deeper level, it has to do with spiritual entities. And, and so basically, um, you know, when we keep in mind that the sea is that spiritual realm. So it's not going on the earth. It's not going on the spiritual realm. It's not blowing against any entity. Not against man, not against spiritual beings, nothing. <clears throat> so then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. Um, the seal of God, and I thought this was really interesting. Um, the Hebrew literature states that the seal of God is emet, which means truth. And it's... Um, it has, the way it's spelled ha, represents God as past, present, and future. But in the Midrash Rabbah for Genesis 81.2, it says, What is the seal of the Holy One, blessed be he? Truth. Why truth? Uh, said Reb Simeon Bilakish. Aleph is the first of the letters. Mim is the middle one, and Tav is the last one. So it corresponds to, I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. From Isaiah. So the seal of, you know, the seal of God is his truth. You are sealed with God when you accept his truth. Um, you know, it's not a tattoo. 
So, <laughs> so um, he, this angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given the power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Okay, so whatever they're about to do that's going to bring damage is, is going, the people who, of God are going to be sealed and protected. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. That's not a lot of people. <laughs> not a lot no. Of people. <laughs> That's very small compared to everybody in this world. Yeah, and, or who's been in this world that, you know, still supposed to be yes. saved after they died. I mean, billions we're talking about. Well, one thing to make note of this is that this is an original order of the tribes of Israel. There are several times where the tribes are listed. This is the only time they're listed in this order in this way. Okay, so there, there's a significance to that. Um, because Dan and Ephraim are missing. Uh, I was going to say, who's the new ones in there? Well, Joseph. Manasseh, M Joseph and Manasseh are both there. Okay. Did, well, one of the things, this is, what, this is what I tend to believe, and this is what, what the study suggests also, is that Dan and Ephraim are missing um, because of the uh, false temple and the idol worship that they enacted in the northern land of Israel. That they set up a fake um, temple and a fake worship system and fake priests uh, and basically drew everyone in order. The, the king being from the tribe of Ephraim set it up in the tribe of Dan on their land. And so both of them are removed. They do not have the authority to be witnesses for God at this time. Um, also, when you look at the 12 added back in are the ones, Simeon and Levi and Reuben, who didn't get blessings at other times. So, so you have 12 still, just with these two missing. Um, Dan and Ephraim. Ephraim. Yeah. Um, which is another reason why this whole big Ephraimite move. We're part of the tribe of Ephraim. Oh, really? Okay. Guess you didn't read the lineup in Revelation. Because <laughs> maybe not the tribe you want to claim to be part of. I don't know. <laughs> Ephraim, that was one of Joseph's uh, sons. Yes. Right? It was Manasseh. the son who was born in Egypt. Okay. Yes. Or, or actually was born right before. No, was born in Egypt. Was, yeah. I'm mixing up stories in, in my head now. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah, that's why his father blessed That's right. So. But either way, it doesn't describe why there's only 144,000 people. Okay, that's the next thing. These 144,000 are God's Torah preaching witnesses coming just before the final judgment. Uh, this is between the sixth and the seventh judgments and fo following an abandonment of Torah. As such, they are a fulfillment of Yeshua's words in Matthew 24, verses 12 through 14. And because of the abounding of the lawlessness or the abandonment of Torah, the love of the many shall become cold, but he who did endure to the end, he shall be saved. And this good news of the reign um, shall be proclaimed in all the world for a testimony to all the nations, and then shall the end arrive. So 
these are these are people who are set to be witnesses at this particular time and and are going out teaching the importance of returning to Torah. Also, they're just witnesses. They're not the people that they're not the only people saved. Okay. No. That would be the Jehovah's Witness idea. Yes. I was going to say, the yes. Jehovah's Witness thinks so, though. Yes. yes. And you know if you're one of them or if you're not. Right. Yes. That's what they say. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, say. if you're one of the... Among the Jehovah's Witness, they don't believe that every Jehovah's Witness is one of the 144,000. Right. Those are the special Jehovah's Witnesses that are going to do that. Um, you know, now... Who these people are going to be specifically, I don't know. You know, will they know they're from that particular tribe? Yeah. I don't know. There's no clue there. It'll be amazing to find out because I'm pretty sure it'll be obvious. You know, and, and at the same time, they'll be speaking truth. That's what they're sealed with. They're sealed with truth. I'm going to so. get a tattoo. Truth. <laughs> Look, I'm one of them. It's on my forehead. <laughs> so, so the creatures are told we're sealing these witnesses. Don't do anything until they're sealed. So, in the midst of what's about to happen, there will be people specifically set apart by God who will be proclaiming truth in the midst of it. So, thinking about that verse, I, I really hate the the massacre of the verse. There is nothing in the Bible that says God will not give you more than you can handle. That verse is not there. It is not there. Where did Sorry. You take that idea from. Well, what it because they, people don't want to be given more than they can handle. Yeah. What it says is God will not allow you to be tested beyond what you can stand up under without providing a way of escape. That's what it says. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Well, it works for me too. But it involves. It brings back in what you were saying. It brings back in the free will. If I choose not to take the way of escape, I cannot then rely on some not present promise that God's not going to let me fall under the weight of something. You know, I, I can't choose a path that takes me through destruction and then cry about God causing destruction. You know what? That's just happened, honey. We were watching the Bible. And the prophet told the king to submit to Babylon that that's what God wanted because they that was going to be their punishment. Mm -hmm. He did not submit. Right. And so, I mean, Babylon still right. took him over eventually. But then, I mean, he lost his kingship. He lost his two kids. Right. You know, he lost, he put the people in such great harm right. by not doing what God said. Exactly. It's like your parents saying, you know what, I'm going to punish you, so come on in this house and go and time out. Well, he didn't do that. So yeah. He did that. So he well, and, and the reality is, the reality God is gives us a way of escape. Mm -hmm. That was his way. Yes. He didn't take it. He didn't take it. He if you choose not to take it. Right. And, and, and we like to do a lot of things in our free will and then get mad at God for it. That's right. Because right. it was horrible. What you know. Was horrible it's, you know, it's one of those things when two young people are out at 2 a.m., not answering the cell phones of their parents calling and alone in a car together and then they do things and then they want to later go, but we didn't mean for it to happen. What did you think was going to happen at 2 a.m. in a car when you didn't answer your cell phones? Really? Did you, did you fool yourself into thinking? The same thing that happens at 2 p.m. in a car without answering <laughs> Well, it just happens more often at 2 a.m. <laughs> 
At 2 a.m. in a car? <laughs> and you turn off your cell phone. <laughs> but I'm just, what I'm just saying is we... we <laughs> <laughs> That's a little earth, wind, and fire. Yeah. Some, uh, but I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You cannot create for yourself a realm of temptation, and then get mad at God that He didn't somehow magically turn you off. You know, God didn't stop my hormones. Neither did you. <laughs> like you said, what you said, it's, it's, that's your world. It's yeah. must be really nice in your yeah. world. Yeah, it must look really pretty in your world Stop because like that. that's a little crazy thinking, you know. If, if you are going, if you are looking at a financial struggle and you know it's coming and you have the option of buying some elaborate thing, toy for yourself or setting the money aside for the crisis and you buy the toy... Don't get mad if God didn't provide more money for the crisis. Now, if you didn't see the crisis coming, that's different. Do what? Right. And, and God will still, God will still work it all together for good. And, he, and part of the working it together for good is you learning something. He will still sustain you. He won't let you be overwhelmed. I mean, he, he does, he, very rarely does God just provide you one way of escape. It's kind of like with the whole wilderness, though. When they were in the wilderness and they got to the land and they chose not to go in, they still eventually got to go in. Right. Just 40 years and a lot of wandering and that generation dying <laughs> off later. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So maybe sometimes we spend some years in a little bit of wandering. God still works it for good. We still learn. And interestingly, we get to where we're supposed to be at exactly the point we're supposed to be there because he knew we weren't going to go in the first time. Right, guy sitting on the on, on the roof, yeah. and the the waters are coming up, and some guy, you know, praying, God save me, and a guy comes by in a boat and says, Come on, no, God's gonna save me, and so then another guy comes by in a boat, and no, no, God's gonna save me, and come by in a helicopter, no, no, God's gonna save me, and why didn't you save me? I sent two boats and a helicopter. Yeah, a cruise ship. There you go. Yeah. And the cruise ship broke down and all of them had to get off. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. They've been doing that lately. But, <laughs> but, that's, but that's the whole point. You, he, he doesn't provide, I mean, he always provides a way of escape. He doesn't allow you to be tested beyond what you can handle without providing a way of escape. It's very different from you will never encounter more than you can handle. Yeah. And so... In what's about to happen, it is held back until these 144,000 are sealed with truth and ready to go out and be the witnesses in the midst of it. So that the people who are suffering in whatever's about to happen have the opportunity to hear the truth in the midst of it. Of course, in today's day and age or something, that would happen. The end is near. So, yeah, <laughs> a lot of people won't believe them. That, exactly, and that's what happens. And that's why a lot of times when people read Revelation and they're like, I can't believe God's doing all that stuff. We need to read it with what is God doing to make himself known in the midst of these things that are happening. That, and, and, and I love the, the picture of the holding back because we went through something years ago and I was crying to God. And I said, why are you letting this happen? And he said, I've been holding this back for three years. You're now ready to go through it. And I went, oh, 
okay, well, I'm going to suck it up and stop whining and we'll go through this then. And I realized what we were going through was the natural consequences of some really stupid choices we'd made. There was a lot, and I learned a lot from it and we got through the other side and we made very different choices. So God, it's not that God's causing these things. God's actually holding them back until everything is in place for the opportunity to go through them with the best outcome. So verse 9, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's all the people. Yes. Say, that's that's all the people. Oh. That's all the people. Yes. I get a white You can't. You, <laughs> yeah. And the white robe we've read, the white robe represents, you know, your, your holiness, your righteousness before the Lord. Um, and so what this, does the Jehovah Witness do with this part then? I yeah. mean, it's right there. It's right I think they just stopped right reading. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't see that. Yeah. Or they attach it to a different teaching. And it's disconnected from the previous section. So, starting in verse 9, where we see this great ingathering, um, there, we're going to see a lot of, of uh, references to Sukkot. And this is one of the reasons why I think it's so important that we celebrate the feasts and festivals, because we are practicing. We are learning about things. People who've never celebrated Sukkot do not see the Sukkot references in these passages. They will not see the Sukkot happenings around them. I mean, before I celebrated Sukkot, I didn't know what, what was in there. And when I started celebrating Sukkot, and going, oh my gosh, I didn't know this was in here. And now I can read these passages and go, oh, the in-gathering, that's Sukkot. You know, this is what it's talking about. Um, and Sukkot is associated with the end of the redemption process. As mentioned earlier, this occurs after the sixth seal judgment. And we see a similar picture of this end being proclaimed following the sixth trumpet judgment and the sixth bowl judgment. So <clears throat> that reinforces what I've suggested, which is that we're going to see what's playing out in different realms as we go through this. So, so we're, you know, we're still up in the realm where the angels are holding back the, the winds and the four corners. Um, so, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels, verse 11, were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders, <coughs> excuse me, then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Wow. See? For okay. Explanation of who they are. Exactly. We don't have to guess. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is the answer to, Oh, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to. You know what? You make it through. You die during, 
whatever, whatever we're about to read that's going to be involved in the Great Tribulation or whatever you go, you get a white robe of righteousness and you stand before the Lord. You know, yeah, What? where's the fear? Where's the God wants to punish you? God wants you to suffer. No, God's redeeming you. Right. He's bringing you through this. I wonder if this is reference, the Great Tribulation is actually a reference to from the fall to the end. Generally, the Great big... Tribulation speaks of the, the, um, the last seven years before Messiah comes. But there's nothing to say we're not in it. Right, I'm just saying, like, this particular one, who are these? If they are all the people who, of all time, that they, isn't tribulation a time of of, of decision-making, a time of deciding, a time of learning? This is generally, this is generally believed to be about the people who died in this, in this last seven years of horribleness. But we have the other people who are under the throne, and we have the other people who also oh, have white robes. Oh, there's more people? Yes. Okay. So there's different people that we see that have been clothed in white robes. The martyrs that have died okay. I was are also clothed was in white robes. I was thinking this was all the people, and it's like, but there's all these people for all time. <laughs> and, yeah. And so... Um, there will be more. There will be more. Okay. Exactly. I haven't read this before. <laughs> no, it's okay. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Mm. So, which is also um, the, the reference to living fountains of water. Uh, talk about the earth, you know, is is a tabernacle, which is the which is a represent uh, uh, reference to a sukkah. and it ties the Sukkot to the Olam Haba, the world to come, where there will be no more tears. And um, Sukkot holds the mystical connection to the eighth day, symbolic of eternity. So you go through that judgment at Yom Kippur, and then you go into Sukkot. So we've got, we've got a full picture of the fall festival so far. The trumpet blowing on Rosh Hashanah, the lamb coming forward who's opening the scrolls, um, which we know to be the book of the righteous, the book of the wicked, and the book of the undecided. The righteous Oops. and the wicked, their, seal, their fates are sealed and their books are closed on that day. Through Yom Kippur, there is the time for the undecided to have their full week, that last week of tribulation. And then Yom Kippur comes, it's the great throne judgment, and then Sukkot for all of those who come through righteous before the Lord. So that's what this first, you know, that's what we're reading about up through here, is what's going on in, in the throne room of God. This is what, the, what we have here. And as we go forward, we'll, we're going to move into different realms, and we're going to see how, how this is played out in, in other realms. Um, but that is the end of chapter 7. Oh, so and again... Festival or feast? The next festival that we will have right now, we're in the middle of counting the Omer. Right. Um, which is the 49 days, not weeks. <laughs> um, and then we have uh, Ladder Fruits, Shavuot, Pentecost, 
um, will be coming up. I don't know the exact date, but 50 days from last Sunday. <laughs> so, uh, so we'll have to do something special for that. Okay. And any questions, thoughts? It's going to be a hot day. Everybody drink a lot of water. Yes, it really is. And I didn't even check the weather. I know it's going to be hot because it's going to be a there you go. Well, as always, it's in the nineties. I know. Well, anytime we're gonna be home. We knew this. I get it. What? The table. Oh, the tip of the thermometer is red. Okay. Oh, you got it before I did. I'm going to bless you all before we say anything else. I know. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Amen. Amen.